Thank you, Jesus, for your presence in this place. Where would we be without him? Where would we be? Where would we be? Where would we be? Thank God we're not without him. Thank God we're not without him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we're learning that. Amen. We're learning it more and more and more and more that we were never meant to live one natural day. Never meant to live not one natural day in this earth. Old things have passed away if you know Christ. And if you don't know this morning, if you don't know him this morning, he loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you. Don't, I want to say on the internet, don't let people's example of love diminish the love of the Father where you are concerned. He loves you with an everlasting love. You are precious to him. You are everything to him. And he is moving heaven and earth on your behalf. He's moving heaven and earth on our behalf. And, and sometimes we, we just want God to just increase that revelation of the importance of intimacy. And I want to read something this morning. You know, I, I think a lot of times in church when we talk about, we just, just can you just reach your hands towards me? Lord, we just thank you in the name of Jesus. God, we just say, have your way today. God, we just say, have your way. Holy Spirit, I just yield to you in the name of Jesus. And we say, Father, you know what we need. Say, Father, you know what I need. And I receive what I need from you in the name of Jesus. And so, you know, oftentimes when we, I'm going to move around a little, excuse me. Oftentimes, you know, um, when we um, talk about intimacy, Oh, don't get me wrong, I know there are some men who experience great intimacy with the Lord, but I think a lot, I think a lot of times, you know, it's been, it's a sad thing really, but, but changing every single day uh, where men are learning what it means to be intimate with Jesus. And it's everything because out of the place of intimacy, um, the Lord speaks to us. The Lord gives us his perspective. It's everything. And it, it, it affects how we live our life. It affects how we talk. It affects where we go. It affects what we do. It affects the breaking of every limitation. It affects us experiencing things in him that we would never have thought of, that we would never have dreamed of, that we would never, never imagine. God is doing and wants to do in our lives exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond. That means you can't even imagine it. You can't even think of it. You wouldn't even come up with it if you tried. That's who he is. And that's what he wants to do in my life and in your life. But that comes through intimacy. So you can come to services like this and it's wonderful. And it's why we worship. And it's why we're so desperate for the presence of God because the presence of God, Jesus is the presence of God, Holy Spirit. And it is the anointing of God. Holy Spirit is the anointing. And when the anointing of God is present, it's kind of like you going into your prayer closet by yourself, it's not exactly the same, but it's a little snapshot of intimacy when the presence of God is here. So I was so desperate. And what happens is what you may never have gotten on your own, when you're in the corporate anointing where the Holy Spirit is moving, there are freebies. Things that we didn't earn, thank God for that but that we get because we're in the presence of Almighty God. How important is that? Oh, I'll tell you, if you have a question before God, I'll tell you, if you're believing God for that business that God's spoken to you about, I'll tell you, it's just everything. It's just everything. If you're wondering, is he the right guy? It's just everything. It's the difference between life and death. It's the difference between oppression and happiness. It's just everything. It's just everything. He's everything. Hallelujah. And that's learned. Intimacy, just like relationship, is, is, is time that is spent. And it's a learning. You know, women and men, young and old, it's a learning. You don't, you know, give your heart to Christ one day and, you know, they tell you, pray, read your Bible, go to church, fellowship with people of like passion. You walk away and it's like, bang, old things have passed away, all things have made new. But I'm awkward in the presence of God. I don't know what to say to God. I don't know what it feels like to listen. I, I've never done it before. 
but it takes a determination. The book of Hebrews tells us that when we believe that he is, when we believe that he is, that's where it starts. We believe that he is. That is a jam-packed few words. We believe that he is. Many did not. And, and because they did not, their perception in the did not led them to do things that were unthinkable, unimaginable. I think of Judas every now and then. The grieving that he experienced after a wrong perception and allowing that infilling, the grieving that brought him to the place of taking his own life when he finally saw the truth. Well, it was too late for him, but it's not too late for us. It's not too late for us. It's not too late for us. Can I get a hallelujah? You know, I, I think about that when I think about intimacy and I think about, you know, I think about for women, uh, you know, at least most women, um, it can be a very easy, very natural thing. But I think about men and, 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 and then I, I love David for that. But, you know, the Bible said, says that he's a man after God's own heart, doesn't it? And now I was reading, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in like over and over and over for the last probably month, you know, Psalm 63 and David, this is David. David was a man, right? Um, it, it's a, when he's in the wilderness and he's exiled and he sings this song to God and it's ushy and gushy. It's not, Jesus is not just for women. Intimacy is not just for women, but, but we don't necessarily know how. We have to learn and spend time and sometimes to sit there and maybe be honest and say, you know, God, I really feel awkward right now. Can you show me what to say and show me what to do? Show me what to do with my, you know, I feel like my hands want to fly up in the air, but that's just something that I'm really not used to. I feel like I want to just drop to my knees, but don't you know everybody's looking, God? And let we let him, you know, intimacy. Because those things that we do in response to his presence hitting our minds and not losing our minds, you know, becoming, but but letting his presence hit our minds and letting his presence hit our life and letting his presence hit our body, we, we respond. And when we respond, we are changed and things change. And that's what intimacy does. And so it's beautiful that the word of God gives us these beautiful pictures because God's desire today, you know, wonder why, you know, things are not maybe as usual and that's okay. But God's desire for us is, you know, he, he gives us these moments of refreshing. You know, you're working really hard and you're working to grind, 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 grind. Understand, God, what are you doing? God, what are you saying? God, where do you want us to go? Because we want to do everything, God, that you want us to do. We want to walk in accuracy. We want to be able to stand before you one day, God, and, and be able to know that we stewarded our lives and everything that you've given us well. Amen. But there are those moments where God says, you need a rest. Sometimes I'll say that to Pastor Jess. You need a rest. She's not here. I can say that. And sometimes I'll have to forbid her from doing anything on a Wednesday. Don't do anything but watch Livy and get dressed. Because you need to rest. Hallelujah. David says this. He says, oh God of my life, I'm lovesick for you. This is the Passion Translation. David I'm lovesick for you, Jesus. Sounds like a, a letter that maybe, a, you know, a man's writing to a woman or maybe a woman to a man, but surely not King David. I thirst with the deepest longings to love you more. Do that in us, Lord, today. Hunger is a gift with cravings in my heart that can't be described. I'm energized every time I enter your heavenly sanctuary to seek more of your power and drink in more of your glory. I'm energized. For your tender mercies mean more to me than life itself. How I love and praise you, God. This is pouring out of his heart. Daily, daily, daily. Did I say daily? Daily. I will worship you passionately. 
What does passion look like? It looked crazy for King David, didn't he, when he was with his wife? And, and she's, you know, David, David, David. You know, kind of like what I do sometimes with the, you know, my kids up on the worship, you know, they're like, they can see you. You're facing them. It's like, David, have you forgotten you're the king? He says, woman, there is a passion in me. You ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. What does that take? Intimacy. Because those thoughts are real, aren't they? They are for all of us. He says, my arms will wave to you like banners of praise. Hey, who knew David waved his arms? It's not just, uh, you know. <laughs> Hallelujah. My arms will wave to you like banners of praise. I overflow with praise when I come before you. Your presence satisfies me like nothing else. Wow. You are such a rich banquet of pleasure to my soul. He says, I lie awake each night thinking about you and reflecting on how you help me like a father. I sing through the night under your splendor and your shadow, offering up to you my songs of delight and joy. He sings. He's singing to the Lord. Spontaneous songs of love. It's a love affair. With passion, I will pursue and cling to you because I feel your grip on my life. I will keep my soul I will keep, I will keep my soul close to your heart. I will worship. I will wave my arms in praise. I will think of you. I will sing. I will pursue. I will cling. I will keep close. I will dance. Energized as a result of it. Strengthened, overflowing, satisfied, helped, Every enemy silenced and the strength of God released. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, he causes the weary to rest and to be refreshed. He goes on to say, with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to his people. Intimacy. Everything begins. Restoration of lives. We had an amazing two weeks ago, you know, where we're learning about the vision and purpose of God. That's what a father does. In the book of Jeremiah, he says, he says, I am the God of families and I'm a father. And what a father does is a father gives vision. A father gives purpose. A father lets us know that we have what it takes and so the job for the Lord, just like David was passionate for God, and out of that passion for God comes a passion to do the things that he is passionate about. I'll say that again. When we have a passion for God, he gives us vision, and that passion for God translates into vision and purpose in times of intimacy so that we become passionate humble, which means none of us, you know, not our self plans, but his plans, because we're there, but him. Everything begins in the secret place. He says, I'm the God of families. I'm a father, and my desire is to build you up. But you know, when I think about, you know, relationship, I think about intimacy, I think about the secret place, and I think about that analogy, you're the God of families and you're a father. I think about families, because we're going somewhere today, and it really isn't prayer and it really isn't worship, um, and so we thank you, Holy Spirit, for getting us there, but you think about, you know, some seasons, some families or seasons in families, maybe seasons in your family, you would say, you know, things are kind of dysfunctional, or you might say, well, man, we are like well, you know, like a well-oiled machine. Things are extremely functional. Well, function comes as a result of clear understanding and communication. 
When we get into the presence of God, he speaks to us. And out of his voice, we understand who he is, who others are, who we are, and what he wants us to do. You can also have that place of dysfunction where there's miscommunication and misunderstanding. God's desire is that we would walk in his vision and in his purpose for our lives. Hallelujah. In the book of Zechariah, see, then we get to the place where we understand if God wants us to get into his place so he can speak to our hearts and give us his perspective. And his perspective is everything. It determines whether or not we live a natural life or supernatural life. Then it would stand to reason that the enemy would try to block. He would try to block. He would try to hinder us, certainly, from getting to that place. But more importantly, what he wants to block from our lives is truth. Because it's the truth of the word of God that sets us free. Now, you might be saying today, you know, I'm, I'm not bound. I am free. I don't see chains around me. But God's desire is to speak those high things to us so that when we live life, we're not doing it afraid, we're doing it free. And in every situation and circumstance we move into, we do it free of fear. Not managing our fears, not controlling them, but free from those things. So it, it would stand to reason then that the enemy would try to block those things. And when the truth of the word of God is blocked from our lives, it produces a chaos. It produces a sense of hopelessness. And the word of God has everything to do with our perspective that comes out of intimacy, out of being with God in his word, in his presence, around his people, living his life. We gain the perspective of God and that has everything, the way we perceive life, the way we perceive God, the way we perceive people, the way we perceive situations has everything to do with, hear me, whether or not we achieve our destiny. Our thoughts, what we believe, has everything to do with whether or not we achieve our destiny. You know, there are some people today that have as much of a destiny as you and I do, and yet they're living at home, locked up in such fear and torment, and we thank you, Lord, for touching them right now in the name of Jesus, who are afraid to come out of their houses for fear of contacting some form of disease. Come on. Is that real? Yes. It's, it, it, it's a fact. It's not the truth. What's the truth? The truth is the word of God, what God says, the highest form of reality that exists. God gave us a promise that the enemy wants to block our tr the truth of the word of God. And in Matthew chapter 13 and 13, Jesus says this. He said, there are, are people who look, but they don't see. Hmm. There are people who hear, but they don't understand. They hear, but they don't get it. If, if we're looking and we're not seeing and we're hearing and we're not understanding, I wonder if that means we could go into his presence. There are people, he said, who are in my presence right now. I thought being in the presence of Jesus gave us absolute truth, but he said there are people in my presence here today who are looking, but they're not seeing, who are hearing, and they're not understanding. Is that possible? Yes. Does he want us free of that? Yes. 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 God wants to touch our hearts because the enemy's device is to block his love, his truth from us. And when the love of God and the truth of God is blocked for whatever reason, whether we put up the wall, I mean, ultimately we do, but whatever life circumstances have brought our way, that produces a heart that is hardened to him. We can't close ourselves off to people. I like you, I don't like you, I don't. I'll do it this way. I like you, I don't like you, I like you, I don't like you. That landed somewhere. We can't do that. When we, when we close our hearts, they're close to him. And sometimes that's, you know, in church we think, well, I don't have to like you, but I love God. He, what does he say? He says, if you don't love the ones that you do see, 
What does that mean to love them? It means to carry his perspective, his perception, how he sees them, what he put in them. I would always say that to people, you know, I would find sometimes such disdain early on in our years when we gave our hearts to the Lord. And there's a lot of, seemed like, I don't, I don't want to say association, but certainly ministry around people who had been imprisoned. And I was always amazed at the, the level of disdain. And I would always say to people, you know, Jesus makes everyone good. Prisons are full of good people. Come on. Who have made bad choices. Great people. Hallelujah. And so we have this amazing promise as a house in Zechariah chapter 8 when we think back about two weeks ago and God says, our job is to restore, repair, and revive. Wow, that's a big assignment. Putting hope back into the hearts of the people. And you know, isn't God so good? He's so amazing that I said to Pastor Ian, it's amazing because God kind of, the way he does life, you know, he throws bits and pieces at us, doesn't he? And, and he expects us to search out what he's giving us and kind of put all the pieces of the puzzle together. He, he doesn't expect us to have that, that attitude that says, you know, God, impress me. Come on, God, impress me and I'll do something great for you. No, he, he keeps on giving us little bits. You know, I, I said to Pastor, it's so amazing how, boy, when we first started the ministry, you know, we thought we understood Zechariah 8, but listen to Zechariah 8. We're called to put hope back into the hearts of the people, and hope comes from seeing and understanding the truth of God's word. He says this in Zechariah 8 and verse 16. Here's how. You want to know how? How to do it? He says this. Here's how. He actually says that in the scripture in verse 16. He says, every man, let every man speak truth to his neighbor. The truth. Nothing but the truth, so help us, God. Let every one of us give judgments of truth. Now, that has nothing to do with saying what you see with these eyes. Let none of us think evil in our hearts against our neighbor. Do not love a false oath. For all of these things, he says, I hate. Now, we're going to look really quickly at two different people. You know, when you, when you look at Job, and now we're talking about, you know, it, this place of intimacy is where truth and revelation for our lives comes forth and, and that there's the possibility that we could even be going into the presence of God. So we want to go there in humility because we want to know that we are receiving the perception of the Lord. We want God's word to be getting in our hearts so that it's changing our lives. And so we have this, you know, these two examples in, of Job. And then also of, of Habakkuk, the prophet. And, and this is what, in Habakkuk chapter 1, um, this is Habakkuk's response to when the word of God does not get into hearts, then we get all kinds of perceptions, crazy perceptions. You know, can I just tell you something? I'm not interested in, um, not for any disrespectful reason, but I, I didn't know that the princess was getting married yesterday. I don't watch the royal family. I didn't, I, I didn't nothing. And I called my mom and she had said, you know, oh, I watched it and it was so amazing. So I was, you know, sitting with the Lord. And so I was like, hey, you know, I'm not too good on a phone. I'm trying to find it here. It tells me I have to download an app for the UK. And I'm like, go here, go there. Finally, I'm not on Facebook, but that apparently is where I can see the video. And I, it's a two hour long video. So I'm like, fast forward, fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. And when I sat there, after I shut it off, I felt this feeling like, hmm, she's a princess. She probably doesn't have any problems. You know where I'm going? <laughs> I didn't say that. Come on. Where does that go? Go into a mall and you're so excited to get there because, you know, they finally have that, those pants that you want. And then you look in the mirror and you're like, ah. Or you're at the gym and you're like, for sure, when I measure these things, they have grown. I'm talking about real trials and tribulations. Come on. But if we're not careful, I'm like, 
Get a grip, girl. Get a grip. Oh, you know what that happens? Perceptions, thoughts. Maybe if I hadn't been with the Lord and preparing, maybe, maybe that had gone on for a day or two. Not, not in Jesus' name. But you know, sometimes for people it goes on for far too long. Let's just say that thoughts. You know, you see that commercial and you're like, this and this and this. You're like, oh my gosh. I have that. I don't have 32 of the other things, but I have one of the 33. But I must have that. Perceptions. Come on. Come on. Because in the same way that God's desire is that we would get in his face and in his presence and learn what it means to develop intimacy so that we hear his mind about us, about life, about others, about situations, he's moving us. He's moving us. But the enemy knows. He knows how it works. He knows how it works. Plant a seed and it'll grow. Come on. Plant a seed and it'll grow. Plant a seed and it'll grow. If you don't pluck it up, it will grow. And the Bible says in the book of Corinthians that we are to cast down those imaginations. We're to cast down those wanderings of the mind. And they are vain, the Bible says. And we are to literally throw them down because they are enemies to our destiny. They are enemies to our destiny. Wrong thoughts can't get us to our destiny. Wrong thoughts lead us to wrong emotions, lead us to wrong decisions, lead us to wrong, wrong choices, lead us to wrong habits and wrong character. And, and, and you could have made, you know, it, it astounds me why we need the presence of God and humility when we go into the presence, you know, so we're able, he's able to say to us, you know, sometimes I'll be trying to share things and, or, or pastor, let me do that. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll come against me and he'll be like this and I, he, yes. And I was like, no, he'll be like, you need to change this. I say, no, I don't have that. Yes, you do. No, I don't. Yes, you do. No, I don't. Yes, you do. No, I don't. Right. And how, how good is that? Is that humility? How many of you say, God, if I would just say, okay, Lord, is that me? What does the Bible say? God exalts the humble and he resists the proud. So in the book of Habakkuk chapter 1, Habakkuk the prophet, God says this. He says, and we've been declaring that this year. He says, look and be amazed. God says, I'm doing something right now. This is a, a word right now. God's doing something that is so miraculous in our days. God's doing something so miraculous in our, God wants to anyway, he wants to, he really, really wants to do something so miraculous in our days that people, this is how the scripture says it. It says people wouldn't believe it even kind of like the, you know, when Mary went to the disciples and said, Jesus is alive. It says they won't believe it even though you tell them. God, he says, God says, look look and be amazed because I'm doing something that is so miraculous in your days that people will not believe it. What does that mean? Maybe you are completely and totally in debt. Maybe you have gotten a really bad report. Maybe there are relationships in your life that for all intents and purposes look like they are completely dry and cut off and there is no hope. God says, look, what did he say to Abraham? Look, and be amazed be amazed allow yourself to look perceive understand what I see not what you see that's temporal God's Word is eternal the things we see with these natural eyes that don't line up with the Word of God the Bible says they're temporal but if we don't get into the presence of God and develop that kind of intimacy and honesty that David had then we are suckers for, sorry, all that is coming at us, uh, it's hitting you so fast. If I put you in front of those ball things and I just went 100 miles an hour and said, run, you know, you got to deke these. I mean, you know, you might deke one or two, three, maybe it might be great and deke 10. Eventually you're done. You're just like, shut it off. Uh, life and the negative perspectives of the enemy are coming at us at that speed. And it's not naturally possible. So Habakkuk says this. He says, there is, so this is what happens when there's, when the, when the word of God or truth is blocked, 
Look at what happens, because this is where we're going and we're going to take communion. Because I believe God wants us to have the more. God's saying, look and be amazed. I'm doing great thing, but you know what? I feel like a lot of times in my life, God's like, this is really where I want to take you, Tina. This is what I want to do. And you're like, yes, God. But you're not ready yet. No, God. He says this. There is strife and contention. Oh, everybody smile. Because there's a solution. Okay? Therefore, the word, listen. Therefore, the word is powerless. That's what I want you to hear. In Habakkuk 1, 4. And justice does not go forth. Justice. Man, that word has been on my mind. Justice. The justice of God. And perverse or twisted judgments proceed. Look at how Habakkuk responded. So the word of the Lord comes to him. He sees all this. He's speaking to the Lord. He's kind of wow, wow, wowing. There's strife and contention and the word is powerless and I can't do what you're asking me to do, God. Nobody's listening to me. But look at what he does. He says, in, if you look at chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, you see, for the sake of speeding this up, because we've got to take communion. It, first chapter 1 says he watched to see what God would say so that he could respond. Not to how he felt, but to what God. He watched to see. Chapter 2 tells us, I will stand on my rampart. I will stand and I will watch. There's, he knows he needs the pers perspective of the Lord. He knows he needs to hear from God. Because what he's seeing out here, is any, there, there ain't anything good out there that he's seeing. And he knows his only hope, chapter 1, I will watch and see. Chapter 2, I will stand and see. And chapter 3, he's kneeling down and praying to see. Come on. Because he knows the only thing that's going to change this, the word of God is blocked. Therefore, where there is no truth, he's saying, there is contention and strife. The enemy's having his way. He's having his way. They're not discerning what's rightfully going on. Okay, speed it up. Let me just read through my notes. Because they're standing there with communion. Everything begins. Say this. Everything begins in the secret place. Say it again. Everything begins. Say it one more time. Everything begins. Turn to two or three people and tell them that everything begins in the secret place. Okay, the Bible says, what happened to Job? How many of you know that, that God, if, as Job is in God's presence and seeing, like Jesus said in Matthew 13, seeing and understanding, he might have responded differently. How many of you know that the goodness of God, if I saw Olivia going to touch a hot stove, we're going to need to find a new example in a few months because we're going to be able to say Olivia, and that might cause a little bit of contention. If I see Olivia's hand going to a stove, you know, I said to Jess, I noticed she really likes cars. You know, and I remember Kenneth telling a story. Don't teach your children through fear. Give them wisdom. So I'm walking, you know, as we're like, at, you know, where the Starbucks is. And, and I'm, I'm having a couple of times that I had her. And usually everybody's doing their thing. And here's me on the grass with Olivia and we're walking. And so I'm noticing, like, she's stopping. And she's, I mean, she's looking. She's not just car you know, she's staring. So I'm thinking to myself, hmm, maybe that's not good. So I start to try and explain to her that's a big car and they're strong. And then I'm like, Holy Spirit, what do I say? <laughs> what do I say? And some of you know that just like I try to bring wisdom so that Livy doesn't touch that hot stove and burn her hand, in the same way God is always trying to get to you and I, come on. That's where, you know, the counsel of many is so important in our lives. Can I just say that? You know, sometimes the Bible says clear that we're to submit one to another. And, and, and we're going to deal with some of those wrong thoughts. But anyway, so, so what happened to Job? The Bible says what he greatly feared, wrong perception, altered his destiny, didn't it? I mean, for a little while anyway, hopelessness, chaos. And where did it come from? Listen to this. Job 42, verse 3 says this. I uttered what I did not understand. Job said this. Job said... I, I heard about you, paraphrase, 
I heard about you from others. When Job, this is when Job is confessing. I get it. How did this happen, God? How did I get where I am? What happened? And he's, you know, doing all the stuff to justify himself. And, and then he says, I get it. I get it. I went to church every Sunday and they talked about you. And I thought that was enough. But I never, I never developed my own personal relationship. So Job says, I get it. I get that I could maintain, Matthew 13, I could look and not see, and I could hear and not understand. I get that I could maintain a superficial relationship with you, and that you would allow me to come and go from your presence, but I'm in such a hurry that I'm not necessarily getting what I need. How many of you get that? He says, I, I, I've heard about you, but now I see you. And so this is where we're going. Everybody stretch. Okay, this is where we're going. I'm almost, I, I, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie. I'm not almost done. Okay. But we got to do this. I can't entertain the thought of doing a teaching in two weeks. I don't know. My brain don't work that way. Right now, I need the help of the Holy Spirit. I'm like, I got to give it all and be done. And move on. Okay? So Job is trying to understand, you know, why is this happening to me, God? What the heck is going on? And this is a kind of an ugly part. But God reveals in Job 41. Listen, this is where it's really important. It's going to change our lives today. Okay? All that was leading to this, okay? He's like, God, I get it, okay? So now here we are. We're interacting. We're intimate. What happened? And God reveals, Job 41, Leviathan, okay? Anybody ever heard that? Leviathan is a demonic principality. Leviathan hides. Come on, pay attention. You need this. Turn to somebody and say, you need this. You need this. Okay, listen to me. This is what he does. He hides the counsel of God. How important is that? I heard a teaching this week about, you know, things that God has right under our nose. And he was using the analogy of the, the apostles that fed all the people. And, you know, so they feed all these people. It's totally miraculous. And, and Jesus, what Jesus is always about the overflow. Jesus is, is not living for the moment. Jesus is always about providing for our future. And he even rebukes them in this instance. And he says to them, gather what is remaining. Pick up the leftovers. And so this minister says they're probably stepping on it because they're so excited that five loaves and two fishes fed 5,000 and so on and so on. And Jesus stops and says, gather what is remaining. And the Bible says that they picked up 12 baskets full, which was more than what they started with. So that was, they were stepping on it. It was right under their noses. And they didn't see it. Hey, that job opportunity. Hey, that idea. Hey, that wisdom to raise your children. Hey, that, it's right under your nose. What did he tell Moses? What's in your hand? It's right, the Bible says, as far as I know, that God is resting. What does that mean? It's finished. The Bible says he's given unto you and I everything we need that pertains to life and godliness. Turn to somebody and say, you got it. 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 Everything that you need, you got. Problem is, challenge is, not problem, challenge is it comes from the secret place. Comes from the secret place. Jesus said, there are people who come and go. They're in my presence. And they look, but they don't see. And they hear, but they don't understand. And so he talks about this demonic principality who hides, come on, the counsel of God. Why? Because he doesn't want us to get to our destiny. He distorts the word of the Lord. He stops revelation. How many of you are saying yuck, yuck, yuck? Through chaos. chaos don't look at anybody is your car in chaos right now maybe the way you left your home was chaotic maybe you have chaotic finances maybe you have a chaotic relationship maybe there's chaos in your body God has the answer his nature this Leviathan thing is the accuser of the brethren he carries the nature of Satan himself. 
and he hates the anointing of God on churches. Why? Why? Why do we come here every Sunday and we're desperate for God and we're desperate for worship? I harass them. I harass Pastor Jess, not them. Pastor Jess. I want on my face glory of God, presence of God, and nothing short. Why? Because where the anointing is, there are burdens removed and yokes destroyed. I can't do it and you can't do it, but he can. I can't give you what you need, but he can. I can speak words to you, but unless he causes them to go from your head to your heart and in your life, they won't change me or you. But he, his anointing, his presence is what does. It's what changes. It's all of that. Job said, I didn't understand. And out of that wrong perception and misunderstanding, I opened this. Leviathan's weapon is his tongue. What does the book of James says? No man can tame the tongue. And it gives us the connotation that we... Oh, I've been doing this lately. I'm like, Lord, you are on me. Hi, I don't know where some of this stuff is coming from. I got mad the other day. I'm just going to tell you. I had a lady in a wheelchair. Who was so angry with me that I almost banged into her at Costco? And Jess is like, Mom, what is wrong with you? I'm, I'm under some pressure because I'm, I'm in stage two. Is that where I am? Ah, pray for me. Where am I? Stage two. Step, what is it? Level two. I'm in stage two. Pray for me. Hallelujah. So this chaos and confusion in his life because he opens up his mouth and then he realizes it when God shows him Leviathan. He says, oh, I get it. I spoke out of turn. I didn't understand and I was talking and what I was saying, open the door. Yeah. I thought about that in worship. I thought, you know, everything that God does is succinct. There's a reason. Nothing in God, in the kingdom of God, there's no chaos. It's not haphazard. It's purposeful and meaningful. It's deliberate. You know why we, we, we encourage you to come to the house of God? Because it's deliberate. Because can I tell you, I am so tired of, 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 of not tired in the natural. I don't like, let me change my words. I don't like seeing, you know, it's like, oh, it's right there. Your freedom is right there, it's right there, it's right there, it's right there. But this one little thing that you refuse to see about yourself. Oh, God's just going to let you stay there. I know I don't get it. It's succinct. It's exact. It's exact. Is there grace? You better believe it. But there's grace for us like babies. You know, when we grow, I, I got it, I got it, I got it. I'm getting the microphone. Okay. Last, no, not last page. But anyway. Okay, how many of you are good? You're good? Are we good? Okay, this is good because you know what? We've been living in this chaos. Come on, we've been living in, you know, we've been living in this place where I'm living for my dream. Oh! Yes, for the dreams. But how about joy for today? Righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. Far too many Christians are waiting for tomorrow. Waiting for this, waiting till my husband comes, waiting till the finances come, waiting till my new house comes, waiting. How about living and enjoying today? How about we live and enjoy today? Yes, for that which is coming. And let's not become sluggards and just, you know, because if we just live in today, then we're never going to see tomorrow. Okay. So the enemy's weapon is what? James fought, James. James is Pastor Alex. Okay, his tongue. Oh, so communion. <laughs> okay, communion. Come on up. Got a little humor. I know this is going a little long, but we are going to get this. Can I tell you? I want this for my family. Can I tell you? You can have a bunch of people that love each other and that mean well, but it's ignorance. You know, when Peter stood up in, the Acts, in Acts chapter 3, 
and verse 19, and he told them, you know what, there's times of refreshing in the presence of God. You know, he was talking to the Pharisees. And he told them, he said, repent and be converted. First, he's talking to them and saying, hi, I don't see you. First, he's saying to them, hey, yous, you guys are the ones who put Jesus on the cross. And then he says, I know that it was your ignorance. You didn't know. You didn't know. But did that change anything? Didn't change a thing. Imagine being the one that said, oh, can I go into a new group, Lord? Can I get a redo? <laughs> they told me and I thought they were right and uh. Okay. Proverbs chapter six says this. These six things I hate, even seven. A lying tongue, you all know that, a proud, proud look, a lying tongue, so we're coming in humility. So we don't have any of these, okay? A proud look. You know, women and men, when you have those discussions, you're like, oh, you're so disgusted. You know, you got that look in your eyes. Right, I think the other day I was like, look at your face. Well, I can't see my face, I'm not in a mirror. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. And that doesn't mean you go cut them or kill them. That just means that you have something to do with harming another, okay? A heart that devises wicked purposes, feet that run to mischief, a false witness that utter lies. Can I tell you, biblically speaking, if you have a problem with someone, you know how we say, go tell three friends? You know, remember that commercial about the hair? And, and so on, and so on. Tell three friends, and then so on, and so on, and so on. It doesn't work that way when it comes to things that are going on in people's private lives. Can I say that again? It doesn't work that way. When we see something that's not right, Leviathan carried, he brings chaos and he carries the characteristic of Satan. He is Satan, the accuser of the brethren. When we don't see as born-again, spirit-filled children of God, we pray. And if we have a problem with someone, then we don't humiliate them in front of a whole group. Hey, I, I've done that. I'm relearning a lot. If I did that to you, I apologize. Hallelujah. And so they actually, you know, if you study about Leviathan, he actually has seven heads. And it's all about lies and gossip and accusation and criticism and fault-finding and slander, okay? And, and the problem is, is that the enemy wants us all to get caught up in all this. And the problem with that is it breaks the unity. And the problem with that is there's no restoring and rebuilding and reviving. And the problem with that is there's no hope in our hearts. And the problem with that is we are moving in the opposite direction of the vision and purpose of God. So here we go. Let's distribute communion. Okay, let's extend our hands, guys. Okay, so something about communion. They're going to do it at the back. Yeah, you're not, he's not distributing all by himself. <laughs> no, we're going to pray over it. We're going to pray. We're going to pray, but here's, here's what we're doing. Okay, come on, let's extend your hands. You know there's a huge debate when it comes to communion. And we've just had like some great... Um, teachings, I want to say talks, some people call it talks, teachings um, from the Word of God concerning it. And can I boil it down today? Thank you, Jesus, for the power of the cross. Thank you, Jesus, that when the enemy says, I'm guilty, even if I've done it, I can run boldly to him, get cleansed and washed, and be, in, be made innocent and not guilty any longer. But the expectation, right, is that we repent. Here's the thing about communion okay because I'm not going to do another long teaching I could if you like I think pastor would like me to but I'm not going to is this when we take communion there should be an impartation there is life in God there is life in God there is life in the cross there is life and revelation in a body that was broken and blood that was intentionally poured out 
that you and I could live in blessing, so that you and I could live with all of the fragments of what we need right before our eyes. There's life in this. There's health in this. There's purpose and destiny in this. So we don't often do all of this. But you know, when you take communion, the Bible says that you are to take it with revelation and understanding. And something happens when you understand something. It changes you. So is God going in you? Is the word of God going in you? Is the revelation of God going in you? Why? Because we believe. Come on, because we believe. According to our faith, it is done unto us. Extend your hands. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus, as we are so eternally grateful for Jesus, we are so eternally grateful for the cross, we are so eternally grateful to a life that was poured out in obedience. And we ask, Lord, that you would touch these elements, God, that you would touch these elements, Lord, the bread, God, the wafers, that you would touch, God, the, the juice that is in these cups, Lord, and that you would, when you touch something, God, it lives. When you touch something, it lives. When you touch something, it's anointed. When you touch something, there's power in it. When you touch something and we take it, it affects us and it changes us forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, you can go ahead and distribute. And here's what we're going to do. Okay, we're going to quickly repent of these things. Okay, so here's the key. Pretend it's you and Jesus. Close your eyes. Once you have your communion, we're almost done. We got to do this. Okay, close your eyes. Deal with the business at hand. Don't want what Job did was. One of Job's biggest problems is he kept making excuses for himself, right? He tried to justify himself. We got to call it like it is, see it like it is, repent of it, and change it. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, we don't want it. Not, we're not beating ourselves up and feeling bad about ourselves. We're acknowledging it. You got to acknowledge it. Acknowledge that it's not in line with the Word of God and you change it and, and hopefully change forever. Don't take your communion yet. Okay, close your eyes. Here we go. When you feel the usher, tap your little fingers or the, the jar, you know, the cup tray hit you, open your eyes. Don't try to do it with your eyes shut, please. Okay? So, there are attitudes that we are dealing with right now in communion. Okay? The Word of God is blocked. So we have wrong perceptions. I'm asking for mercy and grace. Okay, so here we go. This is, I'm telling you, can I tell you, there, we can't have the increase that we want if we have chaos. We can't have all that we have and keep doing this dumb stuff. You can't, you can't have it. The Bible says bitter water and sweet water don't mix. We can't keep being, doing dumb things and thinking that God's just gonna overlook it and bless us. We are setting laws in motion. And those laws are what's getting us, not God. God's resting. Okay? So here are some attitudes. We just want to ask the Lord if any of this stuff is in our life. Okay? Number one, a condescending attitude, which basically is thinking of another as less than ourselves in any way. Now, there can be like... Um, it could be a denominational thing, like we think ours is, church is better than others. It could be a nationality thing. Italians are better than everybody else, which no one ever says. I mean, some people maybe do when they win the cup or something like that, you know. Independent attitude, which is basically, listen, this plagues our society, okay? So maybe, you know, just hang on to them. So if you feel like that, you, you have done that, don't go, oh, I only did that once. Go, Lord, I've done that. It doesn't line up with your word. I don't want it in my life. Please forgive me. Okay? After every time I do this, you do that by yourself. Okay? Number two, an independent attitude, which is just basically wanting to do our own thing. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you right now. We ask that you would anoint this. 
we, this is not just a list. We, this, we are so done with these things and we want the life that comes from a right perception. And we ask for grace right now, Lord, in your presence and in your anointing to be able to move beyond these things. So wanting to do our own thing, forgetting the fact that there is a bigger purpose we're only we're just busy doing our life we're busy going to work every day we're busy doing our thing we're busy making money we're busy with you know do you understand and we're not thinking about god we're not thinking about his kingdom we're not thinking about our place in the kingdom okay we're just islands unto ourselves got it okay forgetting the fuller purpose of the kingdom number three self-glory okay so we're, we're god obviously blesses us but we're careful to not think that that what we have is because of our own greatness you have money you're so smart you know you, you got a rabbit's foot in your life whatever your job whatever right has it's ever it's God we give him the glory all the glory you get a parking space he gets the glory come on and that's training okay next one self-confidence let's pick it up here okay a confidence in our own abilities to produce the anointing and the fruit of the kingdom okay it can get like that you can't imagine it but after a while when you keep doing the same thing every week and you keep you know you got it all down I'm three points in a homilette and a sermonette and I just show up and all of a sudden it doesn't matter about the anointing of God or the presence of God God help us lack of time in his presence okay um, it, it this indicates a possibility that we have become self-sufficient Come on and self-ruled and no longer need all that we have and all that we are to flow from his presence and counsel this is dangerous in that it can produce a mindset of self-rule that subsequently asks God listen to bless and serve what I initiated so I didn't ask God what do you want me to do I picked and now I want God to bless what I picked it don't work that way okay it don't work that way maybe it does for some people but it don't work eventually critical and condemning condemning attitudes and thoughts come on this is something that is and it is if you've read the final quest it is nothing short of being vomited on by the the enemy literally spewed on vomited on if you could see in the spirit and you're critical and condemning and about others and judging and uh, about others I'm telling you right now you can't see it but there's green slime on you come on that's why you know when you hear something about someone and you think you can manage it and all of a sudden six months from now or a year from now you're offended at the same people and you thought you could manage it guess what nobody is supposed to give themselves gossip judgment criticism no one we are to judge not lest we be judged and oftentimes what happens is when we are judging others the book of Romans tells us that what we're noticing that's really ticking us off about our brother is actually in us only we can't see it so the enemy is having a heyday with us the heart of a critic or accuser is postured above others the heart of a savior is postured in servanthood boasting over achievements and revelation this is not outward it's an inward attitude dishonor of authority we are to esteem and honor those in authority even if they are not under Holy Spirit control David's remember David's attitude towards Saul attitudes of dishonor towards leaders often indicate pride in the heart come on and the enemy does that where leaders are concerned because he puts mistrust in suspicion come on isn't that rampant in the body of Christ mistrust and suspicion why because there's safety undercovering and there's safety in the counsel of many you got to throw that stuff down and not give your ears to it it's demonic it's devilish desiring to be served Jesus did not come to be served desire of rep for reputation if we have inner desires to be esteemed by others we need to be careful because pride could be at the root of that and then finally desiring to control others use of a posture 
desiring to control others, use of a posture to fulfill selfish ambition and vision. The counterattack or the counter assault is to live in humility. Okay, that place of the antidote, as Prophetess Kathy would say, is humility. It is all those things are the representation says Leviathan's sons are the sons of pride. And all of those things I just read to you are prideful responses that we want nothing to do with because the Bible says we get resisted. That means we don't go on to the next step in our destiny. We're stuck. You wonder why you're spinning your wheels. Maybe you need to check. Maybe you've been talking about people. Okay? And, and, and hallelujah. So can I just get you maybe to come up and pray? Pastor, or Pastor Jess, and I'm just going to close here, right? We, you know, hallelujah, we're acknowledging God. We're coming, amen, no excuses like Job did, asking for the wisdom and the help of God, resting and trusting in Him, believing that we hear, and once we hear that we will do, and, and we're going to give thanks, amen? Uh, we're going to give thanks. That's how transformation has, no matter what we see on the way to where we're headed, amen? So let's just let Pastor kind of you know you've renounced all of those things so let's just lift our hands and we just want the lord to just fill us now we've emptied ourselves out and we're closing here thank you for those extra minutes i know i was kind of being a little jokey and but this is serious business you know uh, maybe you you can maybe think that you're eating too much sugar and you have chaos in your mind but you know it could be the result of the this lifestyle god god the bible says in proverbs 6 these six things i hate even seven are an abomination to me. Amen.